Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. Pennsylvania's congressional redistricting saga continues today. State legislative Republicans are going to the U.S. Supreme Court to stop a map from being implemented that was adopted by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court earlier this week. The state Supreme Court, with a majority of Democrats, ruled last month that the congressional map drawn up in 2011 was gerrymandered to favor Republican candidates. They gave the Republican-controlled General Assembly three weeks to come up with another map that was more fair. Republicans submitted another map. Governor Tom Wolf and others put in their own versions, but the court ultimately chose a map of their own. Republican Speaker of the House Mike Terzai indicated the Pennsylvania Supreme Court is usurping the constitutional responsibilities of the legislature, and he added, We do not believe that the state Supreme Court had the power, based on the state constitution, to invalidate the congressional map. We think it was a completely partisan, ultimate gerrymander. Terzai says the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, with a Democratic majority, has a political agenda. The whole goal here is to um, stop the president's agenda and to make sure that there are more Democrats in Congress than Republicans. This is a completely partisan effort. So there's been a lot going on, a lot of moving parts in the past month or so having to do with this issue. And uh, WITF has had uh, two reporters, actually more than that across the state, but our two reporters working on this almost on a daily basis, WITF's Capitol Bureau Chief Katie Meyer and Keystone Crossroads reporter Emily Previty. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Scott. Good morning. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532, or send an email to smarttalk at org. Katie, let me start with you. I'm kind of going backwards with this. The latest move occurred late yesterday when, as we just heard, Republican legislative leaders going to the U.S. Supreme Court. Just provide a little more information as to what they are objecting to. Sure. Well, so first of all, they're trying to get a stay from the U.S. Supreme Court to basically intervene in this case and to say that the map the state Supreme Court drew is not constitutional, that their whole decision was unconstitutional, and they would like to go back to the old map, or I suppose the current map still, the one drawn in 2011. Now, um, they're arguing that uh, the state Supreme Court does not have the ability, this is their main argument anyway, they say the state Supreme Court doesn't have the ability to invalidate any congressional map because the uh, Pennsylvania Constitution doesn't give them any criteria to do so. So they say this court invented its own criteria under which to invalidate this map, and then it created new criteria to draw a different one. Uh, They're also arguing that they gave them too short a timeline. They're also saying that uh, it violates the U.S. Constitution's Elections Clause, which gives state legislatures the authority to draw these maps. So it's sort of a threefold, maybe fourfold argument. Um, But yeah, it's also, I will say, it's a more extreme argument than a lot of Republicans have made. Um, Many Republicans, even that morning, the uh, spokesman of the House had tweeted that, uh, you know, the court can invalidate congressional maps. Their problem problem was just with the short timeline. Uh, so, you know, Terzai, um, House Speaker Mike Terzai and Senate President Pro Tem Joe Scarnati, they're the ones filing the Supreme Court appeal. They kind of took it a step further. They're saying, no, the Supreme Court can't invalidate these maps at all. Well, let's talk about the timeline, sure. because three weeks is not a lot of time. Uh, but with those three weeks, is it written anywhere 
that there's a time frame, a deadline for coming up with anything like this? I mean, was that those that three weeks, was that chosen at random? I mean, what did the Supreme Court base that on? Now, let me just say that we have a primary election coming up on uh, May 15th. Do we know how the court decided on that three-week period? Well, during the um, state Supreme Court hearing, the justices basically asked each attorney that came up to testify, present their case, uh, how long they think would be appropriate. And you had two weeks, three weeks, probably a month that coming from the Republican defendant's attorney. And they ended up going with three weeks. Now, as we've discussed, um, having computer programs to do this now, you can generate a map in- instantly. But as far as, you know, uh, preserving incumbents or incumbent protection, rather, and other political considerations, um, you know, horse trading, basically, that is what makes it take longer last time, at, meaning in 2011, I think that took about a year. So to go back to your original question, the justices asked attorneys in court um, in January and basically took the middle of the two extremes. And I'll note also, Scott, um, you mentioned the election that's coming up. Uh, That was something that came into consideration, Mm -hmm. I think, because we have this three-week time period, it basically abuts us right to, you know, the possibility where we're going to have to shift petitions a little bit later, but the primary can still be held. Petitions have been shifted. Yes. Well, let me let me just add just for backgrounds for someone who's not familiar with this, that uh, candidates have to have a number of uh, petitions, nominating petitions signed. Yes. uh, And there is a deadline for that to happen. So the filing deadline for that was pushed back, but the primary is still going to happen on May 15th. And unless there's an intervention, it's going to use these maps. And that is one one of the things that Republicans are saying are taking the most issue with, they're saying, all right, maybe if we had had more time, like we had had these maps go in for the next election. But that they're saying because this is such a short timeline and because the new map is better for Democrats, which we'll get into, um, they're saying this is obviously a partisan move by the court. Now, the court obviously is saying, well, we couldn't have an unconstitutional map going into the next election. But there is precedent for doing that with uh, state maps. So. I may ask you questions that you can't answer because none of us are lawyers or legal scholars. But I'm thinking about what the U.S. Supreme Court can rule on. I mean, there is there a precedent for the Supreme Court ruling on a time frame uh, you know, that someone is, uh, you know, there, there is a plaintiff saying, hey, three weeks is not enough time. Is it written anywhere that how much time there is for anything to be decided? You know what I'm, that's kind of a awkward way of asking, sure, what do but, they have to base yeah. this on? So we're working on, um, Katie and I each are working on some features, and that is one of the questions we are asking. We have this call every so often with our colleagues, um, uh, other member stations who cover state politics in other states. And we asked them that the other day, and no one could really recall anything occurring on such a a compressed time frame, um, much less a court ruling on it. Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, but we haven't exactly found it yet. And I did want to go back to the last question and add, they did consider the possibility was at least floated. There was discussion about delaying this election. And mm-hmm. in the um, a, a initial opinion and dissenting opinions, there was never really any specific reason given for not moving it. We know it would cost millions and millions of dollars to do that if you're going to um, delay the pri- just the congressional primary and run it separately from the other primary elections. 
the closest we got was um, Democrat Max Baer and his split decision. He said, you know, it's Pennsylvania tradition. <laughs> so that that's that's the closest we got to an explanation as to why, other than bearing the cost in mind, we couldn't delay the congressional primary separately. Right. But Justice Baer, who was a Democrat, was elected as a Democrat in the Correct. state, was a dissenter on... Uh, a half dissenter. It was a split opinion. So he concurred on the fact that, the you know, he agrees the 2011 map is an unconstitutional right. partisan gerrymander, right. okay. but with respect to the implementation of that ruling, he thinks it's too compressed of a, of a time frame and that not to delay this one, um, delay this, the 2018 congressional primary, but to simply put a map in place perhaps for the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about, uh, Katie, to, to talk a little bit about the accusations that Republicans are making that this obviously was gerrymandered by mm. a Democratic majority in uh, the Supreme Court. What are they saying about that? Uh, they're saying exactly that, that it was, uh, you know, gerrymandered in favor of Democrats. Uh, you know, there's a couple, you know, measures that they look to for this. But essentially, I mentioned the timeline before. They're saying that the court obviously wanted to draw its own map because they didn't give the legislature enough time to, you know, fight it out amongst themselves. Um, so that's part of it. And then when you go into the map that the legislature or that the court rather actually drew, uh, lawmakers are saying, well, this is a map that overwhelmingly, you know, it clearly draws lines with the intention of making the partisan representation in this state more even. And I mean, when you look at it, it is sort of unquestionable. So Pennsylvania under the previous map uh, was routinely giving five congressional seats to Democrats. The rest of the 18 were going to Republicans. And uh, so that was and Pennsylvania has roughly 50 50 split Democrats and Republicans. There's actually more registered Democrats in the state. So Democrats were saying, well, we are so underrepresented in the state. Republicans were saying you guys are all packed into cities and it's impossible to represent you properly. You would have to intentionally draw lines, you know, in a partisan way to make Democrats more represented. And so the court ended up with a map that you know, and we're kind of our, our analyses show they're probably going to give Democrats between eight and like maybe 10, maybe 11 seats. Um, and so Republicans are saying, listen, that can't happen unless you are doing a partisan gerrymander in favor of Democrats. Now, there's so many different um, ideas about, you know, what partisanship even is and whether it's appropriate in gerrymandering and whether the court can do it. But, you know, it, it's going to be contentious. Let's take a phone call from Joe in Dallas Town. Joe, you're on the air. Oh, good morning, Scott. Good morning. And, uh, uh, good morning to your guest, Emily and uh, Katie. Uh, you, you've got some uh, uh, great expertise at your uh, disposal here. Um, when, when I was on the when I was on the, uh, the call with the screener, I lost uh, a little bit of the intro, but uh, maybe you address this. Um, do we know how the court actually came up with their map? They, they gave an opinion, of, uh, they gave it a decision, but they didn't really uh, offer the opinion. Can you dig into that opinion to find out how the districts were configured? And uh, my related question to that is uh, something that ha- hasn't come up yet. Um, Pennsylvania has what's called metropolitan planning organizations that deal mostly with transportation, and the new district map kind of broke up the MPOs. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to affect the different counties with the MPOs. So hmm. the related questions are, how did the court come up with the map? If, if 
they're willing to say that, and how does that affect the MPOs? I'll, I'll hang on uh, to get the response. All right. Thank you very much for your call. Let's start with the first question, which is probably the big one. Uh, did the court say how they devised their map? Well, in a fashion. Um, first off, they had an expert come in and draw it. His name's Nathan Persley. He's from uh, Stanford Law, and he's drawn maps for other states in the past, so he has some expertise here. Um, now, they, you know, they did give the legislature standards by which to draw these maps, and so they, you know, subscribed to them on their own. These were standards of compactness, contiguity, not splitting up municipalities, um, and then. Fairness. Um, there was sort of this nebulous concept throughout their opinion that they released of these maps should be fair. And, you know, everybody's going to interpret fairness to benefit themselves, right? Republicans do it. Democrats do it. So the court's definition of fairness ended up being, you know, giving Democrats better representation to reflect their numbers. That seems to be kind of what they did. And so um, they... They split more municipalities than some of the other um, maps people had proposed, um, but they you know, they split fewer than the old map. And the districts are indeed more compact; they're more contiguous. If you look at the maps side by side, there's less little like snake tendrils going out um, from various districts. So that, I mean, to your question, so yes, that is the criteria they use to draw the maps. But uh, you're you're right; it is all sort of. Vague. It's a, a subjective process. I'll keep saying that. Mm. What about this metropolitan uh, planning organization? Are you familiar with what he's talking about there? I don't think I caught that. Okay. No. You, what did he say about it? He, he said that, uh, you know, throughout the state, there are uh, metropolitan planning organizations have to do mostly with transportation. And with the map that has been drawn up by the Supreme Court, it would split some of those MPOs. Mm. Is that something that you even heard when you, as, as you that were? I haven't come up. Okay. I, it hasn't come any up talks either. That I've had. Um, but one thing I did want to mention about how the court drew the map, and Katie's right with everything that she said. In addition to that, um, preserving communities of interest. Yes. If you look at the map, um, you know, if you ask somebody who's a lifelong Pennsylvania resident, they they're like, oh, well, it looks like it makes more sense. You know, you've got York and Lancaster kind of together. You've got a capital region sort of. Um, district, you have the Lehigh Valley district. So there are, in some cases, it looks like it makes more sense to people uh, the way certain districts are configured. Um, and as far as, you know, this being a boost for Democrats, perhaps that's true on a statewide level. Um, but that doesn't mean necessarily individually, district by district, it's right. true. I was out yesterday with um, a woman, Laura Quick. She was running in the old 15th, is now in the new 9th, and it would have been easier for her. All right. Numbers, probably people aren't familiar sure. with this. Because <laughs> so, okay, so, there are new numbers right. for these for this this map that the Supreme Court drew up. Yeah. So she's in, she lives in Lebanon County. Okay. And before, parts of Lebanon, Dauphin, and Berks were with I think all or most of Lehigh and Northampton in the 15th. And now you have in the court drawn map, um, Northampton and uh, Northampton and Lehigh, basically. And I think a little bit of, I want to say, is it Montour or Carbon? There's it's, a little bit of a... One to the but north. it's in the Lehigh Valley. It's Lehigh Valley. It doesn't have any more uh, pieces of Dauphin or Berks or, uh, or Lebanon County. And so Dauphin is now in this capital district sort of... Um, this capital region sort of district, and Lebanon is grouped together with, with a bunch of counties in the southern coal, re southern coal region. Schoolkill and right. those counties, yeah. And um, and that's the new nine. So that's where Laura Quick, who lives in Lebanon, that's where she's trying to run now. And she said 
that it would have been a relatively difficult primary for her in the old 15th, in the old district she was in. Charlie Dent, by the way, that was Charlie Dent's returning, uh, re- retiring Congressman Charlie Dent's district. Mm-hmm. So that would have been uh, easier for her, and the, the general would have been more challenging, but that this primary will be harder still than the general would have been for her in the old district, and then the general even harder than that. So for her, it varies district by district, obviously, as far as whether it's actually been made easier for Democrats. Is she a Democrat? Yes. Okay. Uh, we're going to have more phone calls and a few more questions for Emily and Katie in just a moment. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Welcome back to Smart Talk. We are talking about, uh, well, the latest uh, case, the latest in uh, the the uh, Pennsylvania Supreme Court, the congressional district boundaries being redrawn. Supreme Court earlier this week drew their own map. Pennsylvania Republican legislative leaders went to the U.S. Supreme Court to get a stay against that map being implemented. There's a lot going on. And to tell us uh, about it today is WITF's Capitol Bureau Chief Katie Meyer, Keystone Crossroads reporter Emily Previty. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call, one 800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at WITF.org. Let's take a call from Jim in Enola. Jim, you're on the air. Hi, Scott. Hi, Jim. Uh, the last time you covered this uh, topic, uh, I uh, made this comment, and I'm going to briefly make it again. And by the way, I think the three of you are doing a great job covering this. Thank you. Uh, this, I, this is all extremely interesting. It's better than a soap opera. But in my opinion, it's a sideshow to the main issue. The main issue is that under uh, Pennsylvania law, legislators get to choose their own voters. That would be akin to if the three of you got to choose your own boss. I bet you'd think that was a pretty sweet deal, but it's probably not going to happen. That's the way it is in Pennsylvania, because state legislators get to choose their own districts. There, There are bills in the legislature to change that process, One of them is House Bill 722. The other one is Senate Bill 22. Uh, House Bill 722 has more than a majority of the state house uh, in support of that as co-sponsors, and the Senate Bill 22 has a lot of co-sponsors. That bill would change it to an independent commission which would uh, determine the maps. And, And this is something that's in effect in California and several other states. Uh, so if people really want a long-term fix to this problem, they need to contact their state legislator and ask their state legislator to uh, support uh, House Bill 722 and Senate Bill 22. Thanks. Oh, thank you very much for your call. Jim anticipated one of my questions for you, and I don't know whether uh, legislators have had time to think about this or not, but what Jim is advocating, and Jim is part of Fair Districts PA, a group that is formed uh, based on this issue, mm-hmm. is that uh, for a long time there have been people, and it's not just here in Pennsylvania, as he mentioned, other states as well, that have advocated an independent commission, an independent commission to draw up the congressional maps. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Anyone talking about that at this point, or are they still too busy dealing with what's at hand. Well, I'll say people are always talking about that. It's never the people who need to be talking about it. (laughs) It's never the people in charge. Um, But yeah, lawmakers, lots of lawmakers, mostly Democrats in the last several years, um, have wanted to do this independent commission. It's never gotten anywhere. Uh, It would require a 
amendment to the U.S. Constitution, and that takes two consecutive sessions, and then it has to go to a ballot referendum, and voters have to vote it up and down. And it's very difficult to amend things in Pennsylvania, and we have a legislature that's not uh, really you know, conducive to moving quickly. So um, I would I will say um, we were talking to our, you know, our colleagues in other states the other day, and um, we have um, a lot of them, not a lot of them, but one specifically in Washington, they have an independent commission, not quite the same thing as uh, Pennsylvania's legislature wanted to put in place, but sort of a similar concept. And they were saying, I think the phrase the guy used was, oh, yeah, we're pretty smug about our commission over here. Um, You know, I do think they say it improves the election process tremendously. It makes it less partisan and it makes it less contentious as you know, as far as having a legislature draw it. But, uh, you know, there's going to be flaws in any case. Uh, there's they are, Their commission, for instance, has had like one of the same guys sitting on it for 30 years or something like that. He has inordinate power of how the state's maps are drawn. But there's always going to be little things like that. And the other thing is, if you look at states that have independent commissions, one, they tend to be out west where, mm-hmm. you know, that was settled later. There was sort of a reaction in a lot of the way the um, government structure was set up to what was perceived as, you know, terrible corruption back east where governments were more established. And so there's more um, direct uh, referendum and initiative out there, which means citizens, residents, voters, they can put forth a measure onto a ballot and change things really without too much involvement by quickly. elected officials yeah. quickly. And so I don't know the exact path to independent commissions for every state that has one. However, in most cases, Arizona's one. It's because of a ballot referendum, not because the state legislature said, you know what, we're going to totally change this process that brought us into the power that we have. Right. Uh, before we get to some phone calls, and I see we have a couple of state legislators calling in, and this is on their, their own accord, not uh, anything that we've arranged right. or, or scheduled. But uh, there has been some talk of impeaching uh, the Democrats on uh, the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court for overstepping their bounds. Uh, I don't know. There are a lot of people who say that, you know, that's a you can't or you're not supposed to anyway. You're not supposed it, to impeach your court? It, well, impeach a, a court because there's a decision you don't like. Right. So where does that stand? I mean, actually, yesterday, uh, U.S. Senator Pat Toomey was in Harrisburg. Mm-hmm. And, Katie, you were uh, you covered that event. I did, yeah. Pat Toomey was in Harrisburg. He, um, you know, basically did a speech sort of railing against the Supreme Court's whole decision and then was asked about this um, measure to impeach the justices. Now, I'll note, um, the guy who's sponsoring this uh Chris Dush. He took Justice Bayer off of this because Bayer was against redrawing the maps. So um, Bayer's not going to get impeached under this particular resolution. But um, so, yeah, Toomey was asked about the resolution and he said this is a conversation that the legislature is going to have to have. And so he was I mean, he kind of lent more credence to it than a lot of the leaders in the House and Senate had previously. Um, nobody had really talked about it in a serious way on a leadership level. But, you know, Pat Toomey's an influential guy. And he certainly seemed to think that it was a uh, an important conversation to have. Now, I will say this thing hasn't even been introduced yet. It's still in the memorandum stage. So it's getting 
co-sponsors. Um, so we will see if it goes anywhere. It would have to go through the House State Government Committee and um, and the state, Senate State Governments Committee. And um, the House State Government Committee is a very conservative, notoriously conservative committee de- chaired by Representative Daryl Metcalf. And so I can see that passing through the House State Government Committee easily. But then it would have to get a two-thirds vote from the House and a majority in the Senate. Aaron, or vice versa, a majority in the House, two-thirds vote in the Senate to pass. And it doesn't need a governor's signature. But, uh, you know, I think it would be a really tough thing to pass. I, I may be getting ahead of ourselves here, but uh, I asked earlier about whether there was any any talk about uh, – uh, you know, making changes with a commission to uh, to come up with uh, congressional boundaries. Uh, another part of, of of Pennsylvania that's a little bit different is that we elected our judges or elect our statewide judges. Mm-hmm. Has there been any talk yet about this being an example of why judges should be appointed rather than elected? I, don't know. I haven't heard that I conversation heard that, yeah. because you know. Judges are appointed by elected officials. So, I mean, the argument could be, is there really a difference, ultimately? Um, but most states appoint their judges right. rather than yeah, what we, we do in true. Pennsylvania. Yes, that is true. Uh, I haven't heard anyone say that. Um, it's no. more the conversation's more been about impeachment. I think there's always general conversations about reforms. Um, this one sure has come up between some people at some point. It's not at the forefront. It's not at the forefront. Uh, as part of this okay. particular discussion. We have State Representative Garth Everett of uh, Lycoming County on the line, who uh, I understand wants to talk about the timeline. Representative Everett, uh, thank you for for calling into the program. Sure. So, I, uh, what's yeah, on your mind? I want to go back to uh, to kind of the beginning when we talked about the uh, the timeline, and and I I would uh, I would maintain that the timeline that the court set forth in its uh, its order and then delaying the opinion uh, put us in a position in the legislature and in the governor's office that we did not have the constitutionally mandated time necessary in order to pass legislation, which is what's required to implement a map. And for the governor, the governor gets 10 days after we even pass legislation to consider and decide whether to sign veto or allow a bill to go into uh, law without his signature. And those timelines were impossible under the order and the opinion that the court set forth. So So I I would argue that the court engineered it to the fact that they were going to be the ones to draw the map, which they have absolutely no constitutional authority to do. I just wanted to add that comment to the mix. Well, well, Representative, let me ask you, though, because we were talking about that, about how the U.S. Supreme Court, if they had any criteria to go on as far as what would be a legal timeline. Are you saying that here in Pennsylvania, that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court did not follow the law? I'm absolutely saying that. They did not follow the law, and uh, they are in the, they are themselves violating the Constitution First, in drawing the map and in demanding that we not follow the Constitution uh, in the process that they set forth. Um, you know, if, if they, I, I'm not going to argue that they may not have the authority to tell us that our map is unconstitutional. They don't have the authority to change the Constitution and, and the statutes in order to redraw those maps. Mm-hmm. Emily Previty? So, um, you know, your question initially 
previously in in the in the show was about the U.S. Supreme Court and them ruling on timelines. Generally, the you know consensus among legal scholars experts is that the U.S. Supreme Court is loath to get involved in state constitutional issues. This is a state constitutional issue in terms of the timelines that you're talking about, um, and in terms of the redistricting process. There's not a time specified or a duration specified. However, he is right about the time frame, um, the way it played out in this case, not giving from when the there was not enough time from when the legislature, well, the legislature didn't even, um, they didn't even vote through a map. They never did. So that's a question mark. Um, You know, these were all just proposals that were submitted without going to either chamber for a full vote. Um, And so they're also by the time I don't know if this applies, and this is kind of, I guess, maybe some of these issues will come up in the case. I'm not sure. But you had this map that wasn't passed as a bill as it normally would be go to the governor, um, which for a piece of legislation, he's supposed to have a certain time frame to consider it. He didn't have, you know, he had a matter of of days instead of more than a week. And um, the legislature should, I think, right, have at least the opportunity to attempt a veto override, even if they probably don't have the votes. I'm not sure. So uh, well, it, this well, definitely raises questions as to how the order and the timeline prescribed by the court really fits with the way legislative procedure is supposed to work and generally does work in the state. Mm-hmm. Representative Everett. And, 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 and I will just say that these things, this legislative process is mandated by our Constitution. Right. So it takes at least seven days to get if, – if things just go perfectly – it takes at least seven days to get a bill through the House and the Senate. Um, I will add as well, though. Oh, sorry, Representative. Um, I will add, though, I mean, a lot of the tension in this argument is whether things are under the jurisdiction of the U.S. Constitution or the state constitution. And one of the, I think, more powerful arguments that um, Republicans have in this case, bringing it to the U.S. Constitution, is they're saying that um, the court's actions violate the U.S. Elections Clause. That gives state legislatures authority over drawing congressional maps. Now, that is something under the U.S. Constitution. But a lot of these things that get brought up, I mean, the Supreme court may say we have no jurisdiction because that is under the state constitution. So I, I think just a, something to note when you look at these. Representative, thank you very much for calling in. You betcha. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me go through a few emails here, and we're going a little bit longer. We're, Micah Sims, who is with Common Cause Pennsylvania, is going to be with us in just a moment because uh, his organization and the NAACP may also take court action. Uh, but here are a few emails we've received from listeners. Lee says, If the Democrats have more than 50 percent of the registered voters in the state, the new lines are far more compact and cross fewer municipal lines than they were before. And honest political strategists are saying that the new lines will still result in a majority of congressmen being Republicans. How is this Democratic gerrymandering? Aaron asks, I know that there are several objective methodologies for measuring gerrymandering. Why isn't that more important in this debate? How did the existing map and the court-generated map compare on these types of measurements? Can you answer that question? Well, I would say um, a lot of these measurements are really controversial. For instance, you have the efficiency gap. That's one of the more accepted ones, but uh, a lot of people don't buy it as a good measure of... um, of uh, partisanship or fairness because it, it's based on wasted votes and people will often say, well, like, well, why is that a concept that we need to be worried about? Um, so anyway, I, I would 
say the short answer, we could go into this in way too much detail, but the short answer is there is no objective measure that anyone agrees on. And so that's why it's sort of impossible to use one in drawing these maps. So you have to look to measures that are at least, you know, they may seem vague, but at least people can agree on what they are, compactness, contiguity. And then you also get into nebulous concepts like fairness. So I would say in a lot of ways, I mean, these so-called objective measures, they're really they're not more objective than like fairness just because no one agrees that they're actually objective. Al says, and we had a question earlier about metropolitan planning organizations. He says MPOs are designed to operate across government uh, boundaries. They were originally created to establish the interstate highway system. The new congressional map splitting these areas should have little impact on the way MPOs operate. Uh, Tom says, look carefully at Cumberland County on the new congressional map. Not only is Cumberland split, but North Middleton Township is split in half. The line follows a small or follows small rural roads, splitting not only the township but a voting precinct too. I can see lines along township lines, but splitting the township. So, you know, there obviously are some people who uh, like the new uh, map or uh, don't. Let's uh, another uh, email here from Donna. It's rather obvious that this map is more fair. It doesn't just favor Democrat, it's more fair. And once again, the other guys just don't know how to play fair. They're only used to getting their own way. If they don't get their own way, they take their toys and they go home. Um, that sounds like a conversation that is being had uh, <laughs> in many places uh, through, throughout the Capitol. All right, I understand that we have another state representative on the phone. Let's. Oh no. Okay, that was a state representative. Uh, uh, who do we have here? Uh, oh, I guess he's no longer on the on the phone. We'll take a couple more phone calls, and we're continue this conversation with Micah Sims. Uh, of, um, I, I tell you what, I'm making a decision on the fly here. <laughs> you guys have anywhere to be? Uh, not immediately. No. Not before ten. Okay. Yeah. Well, then you're good. We'll bring in Micah Sims from Common Cause, <laughs> and uh, and have the two of you stick around too. So that uh, we all can question uh, Micah Sims from Common Cause, Pennsylvania, in just a few minutes. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. The court action by Republican legislative leaders may not be the only one. The NAACP and Common Cause Pennsylvania are questioning whether the map adopted by the state Supreme Court provides fair representation for minorities. Now, Katie Meyer and uh, Emily Previty are going to stay with us for the rest of the hour, but we're also joined by Micah Sims, who is the executive director of Common Cause Pennsylvania. Micah, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. Last time we were selling roses, and now I feel like I'm a thorn among roses. So the, the roses <laughs> theme continues, Scott. Love That's it. Right. I love it. And we're still taking your phone calls. We'll get to the phone and take some more emails. 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at org. All right. First of all, what are, are your objections to the map that was adopted by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court? So let, let me start not necessarily with the objections. Let me say this, that we have a map, and I think that is incredible progress for democracy in Pennsylvania. We have to applaud it um, that after some time we actually look like we have something that isn't gerrymandered. I think in our initial review um, on the surface, we called it fair. We called it competitive. Um, and because we, Scott, represent 12.8 million residents, because we have a job to make sure that we are the voice for the voiceless, um, we have to make sure that we do good analysis and review. Um, we are currently still reviewing the map um, and looking at could there be a problem somewhere else? But I don't view that as a problem. What I view that as, number one, it's we have to understand that we at least have a cure for an illness. 
the illness of gerrymandering has been cured by actually having a map. Um, yes, you're not going to have a perfect map. But there are more positives currently in this map probably than there are negatives. Um, and I think that is the best thing for democracy. And, and I think that's that should happen. Common Cause is a nonpartisan, good government organization. We do have to make statements. We do also have to take our time to make sure that it is fair for everyone, that democracy is operating for everybody across the Commonwealth. Okay. With that said, mm -hmm. uh, and if I just use a description here. Uh, you like the map, but you don't love the map. I like the map, but I don't love the map because the map is not perfect. Okay. And well, I think why it, isn't it perfect? Because I, I don't think it's it's possible to get a perfect map. Okay, but still, uh, let's go. No, with, the, let's go with the minority representation first of all, because when you were here last week yep. and we were talking about this, that was something that you said we want the Supreme Court, we want the governor, we want the legislature to come up with a map that is fair and provides. Better representation Correct. for minorities, Correct. especially where there are a large population of minorities in the city of Philadelphia. Correct. What about this map? I think when you look at the map, um, and again, we're 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 doing some more, we're doing analysis, both the NAACP and vote and Common Cause, we're all doing analysis. That when you look at the map, there is a concern possibly that the number of African Americans may have been. Um, and could have been well represented across the board. Um, I think when you look at and I, the numbers, the new 5th Congressional District, um, that uniquely cuts across southwest Philadelphia and picks up South Philadelphia to add it to Delaware County. Now, again, I'm born and raised in Philadelphia. So if I'm looking at a map, I'm thinking, wait a minute, you skip to South Philly to add it to Delaware County when you probably could have picked up votes in other portions of Southwest Philadelphia and West Philadelphia, which were already part of a Delaware County congressional district. Just have to go, okay, do we need to look at that? So could possibly African-American voters just been compacted in one direction when they could have been spread over a couple of other congressional districts? I think that's a concern. I think you have to begin to look at that and begin to scratch your head. I think also when you look at what was originally proposed, there was one majority African-American district in the state. That was obviously the second congressional district um, represented by Congressman Evans. There was also a second district, um, the congressional one, that had a plurality of African-Americans and really probably, I think if you look at the statistics, had possibly had a majority-minority coalition. Um, right now, the question is, do we have another congressional district where there is a majority minority coalition some analysts say we this still is it could be the new congressional second some people say no there isn't um we want to do our analysis um we have partners that want to do their analysis and make sure that again we are making sure that no one is left without a voice and feels voiceless and voteless in this process most of the conversation has centered on Republican versus Democrat. Sure. What has the U.S. Supreme Court, what kind of precedent is there for uh, representation along racial lines? Well, I think racial gerrymandering is, is, has been a huge issue uh, in this country. When you particularly look at North Carolina, when you particularly look at Texas, those have been cases that have been built upon racial gerrymandering. The case in North Carolina is the one that oftentimes comes to, comes to, comes to mind where they literally compacted African-Americans in one congressional district when in reality they could have been spread over three congressional districts to have impact 
impact to, to make sure that their voice and their representation mattered. And that's ultimately what the court ruled. And so they had to come back, if I'm not mistaken, came back and, and redrew lines on three congressional districts in North Carolina based around that movement. Um, and so is that something that needs to be considered here in Pennsylvania? I'm hoping that it doesn't, because, again, I think we have a good map. I think, you know, we can spend a lot of time toying with the map and missing the big picture. And the big picture is that we actually have a map that is fair, that is competitive and that really works for democracy. Yes, we still need to drill down and make sure that every voice is being heard. But in it, we are much better than we were when I was in here uh, a week ago. Let me be honest. Uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania should feel that, hey, I can vote now. Um, my district makes sense. It's wow. My entire county is included in the same congressional district. Wow. I can look across the street and even the people across the street are in the same congressional district. I, no more Goofy and Donald. Wow. All right. So we have reasons to celebrate and we should be doing that. We should be celebrating democracy. And I know everybody has a right to their opinion. But at the end of the day, I want 12.8 million people to feel like on May 15th, I will actually have an opportunity to choose my representatives instead of my representatives choosing me. Now, we're going to keep you around while we have the phone calls that are coming in. Uh, But one final question for you right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, will Common Cause go to court uh, over this map? With, or the NAACP. Or the NAACP. I know you can't speak for them. I can't, I can't speak for the NAACP. Um, I will say that we are doing the analysis, and we will make the determination once the analysis comes back. And if need be, we may. Uh, but, but also, again, we are hopeful that we don't have to go in that direction. Again, we believe that we are seeing progress, that th- that progress is being made. And we don't, you know, sometimes um, we can mess up uh, the good by trying to strive for the perfect. Maybe is that is that this case? I'm not sure. But what my job is to do is to represent all of these organizations that are part of the Keystone campaign and make sure the values that we lifted up of fairness competitiveness and equality exist in these maps what would make you go to court i think that what would make me go to court is if that we find that there is a sense of compacting that they have actually cracked and packed african-american voters in such a way um that uh, is against the uh, voting rights act all right let's take some phone calls uh tony is in lancaster tony you're on the air Hey, thanks. Uh, I'm glad I got a chance to put the phone down so I cool off a little bit. Uh, you know, the guy, the, the state representative who was on there, uh, and the Republicans squealing like stuck pigs about this. Nobody, they weren't squealing like stuck pigs when, for eight years, my own congressman Smucker, the person on his phone, when I called up, and I was very polite basically said to my complaint or whatever it was about the time, I don't have to listen to you because you're a Democrat. I think that the the founding fathers, as we say, intended the legislature of the United States to represent the people of a state. Sure, minus the black people and the women, of course, and people without property, but still uh, basically a democratic thing. And our state legislature, or I should say the group that we, the representatives of Pennsylvania stands to Congress, simply do not represent the feelings of the of the people of Pennsylvania. That's the bottom line here. And I'm I'm in a district now that's even more Republican than it was. But I'm not complaining because at least these new districts will give some voice 
to the majority of the human beings in Pennsylvania. That's my comment. Hey, thank Tony, you. Thank, you, thank you very much for your call. And, Mike, I'm going to pose this, this question to you because I saw an editorial yesterday, and I've been thinking a lot about this uh, during the, the past month as this has been going on. The headline said, legislators, everyone involved in this are forgetting about the voters. Yeah. We keep hearing about Republicans, Democrats. Now, you're talking about uh, minorities, but we are not hearing about voters right. and what voters want. Yeah. Um, so, so to that, Scott, I would say that that at the end of the day, we, we do have to remember that it is that they are that African-Americans, Hispanics, whites, we all are voters. And so raising those concerns, possibly from a racial lens, does raise the consciousness for our voters and about the voters. Again, we ought to applaud what we have today as opposed to what we had over a week ago, because it is much better for democracy than what we had. A 13-5 split on a, on that, that map was ridiculous. Okay, wait, can I interrupt for just one yeah. second? When you say, and I'm going to push back for just a mm-hmm. moment, and this, this, you know, as Emily was talking about, and, and Katie too, about the, the Republican objections, is it better for democracy if a court makes the decision something that the legislature should be doing. So let me say to that, you, you know what I'm going, getting ready to say. My, my uh, thought is that neither the legislature nor the executive nor the judicial should be drawing the map. You know who should be drawing the map in Pennsylvania? An independent redistricting commission, period. This needs to get out of the hands of these individuals. You want to know why? Because we've seen the soap opera for the last almost uh, six months with what happens when people draw, when elected officials draw the map. And again, now you're finding, and I don't know where this, I do know where this ideology comes from. So now we're going to attack the judges. Um, We're going to attack the character of the judges. I don't like your decision, so now I want to impeach you. I saw Senator Toomey again talk about impeaching justices. Are you you ridiculous? Is this insane that all of a sudden we want to attack the character of the justices because you don't like a map? I tell you, if you don't like a map, there's a couple of things you can do. Number one, get out there and raise the consciousness of voters and elect the people you want in office that can do the things you want. I don't understand why you want to attack a person's character or, or, or question their judicial ethics or their perspective to try to raise the point of, oh my God, we got caught. We we kind of overreached. You did overreach. Just admit your overreach. Say, uh, say I'm sorry to the public and say, we are in agreement. This is a fair map. This is what's good for democracy. Can everybody get out there and vote? Exercise your right to vote and go out and vote. And then guess what? The other thing they can do is, if you believe we do it wrong, how about you guys tell us what we should do? And I think put this as a referendum, put it on the ballot. And I guarantee you, Scott, that most of America, most of Pennsylvanians will say, yeah, it's time for you guys to give this up. Just a, a point about the to go back to what you said about most of the conversation has been, is this a fair map, Democrats versus Republicans? Um, it's tough because, you know, it seems like Pennsylvania, maybe there, I don't know this, but there seems like there could be many relatively high number of split ticket voters because most of the, um, most of our county commissions are yeah. majority Republican. And, you know, we went for um, Obama in 2012, Trump in 2016. We mean Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, yeah. correct. Um, you had uh, in, in 2014, we, Pennsylvania elected a Democratic um, governor, and yet more than 50 percent of the votes statewide went to um, Republican congressional candidates. 
And, you know, you see this. And then last time when, you know, Pennsylvania went for Trump during the presidential, there were also three Democrats elected to uh, row offices. Right. And then you Statewide, had, yeah. right. And yeah. then you had another uh, more than 50 percent of congressional candidates um, who got votes that were Republican. So Pennsylvania voters aren't as simple as maybe everyone likes to believe. So I feel like maybe it's is it really that easy um, to, to predict or yeah. well, I'm to let me interrupt yeah. for a second, because yeah. I want to get at least one more phone call in. But one of our other callers is suggesting, why don't we have an open primary? And let's in fact, this is the call right here. Dennis, Dennis, you're on the air. Uh, yes. Uh, Dennis Kaufman from Susquehanna Township. Uh, two points. One is, uh, why don't we have an open primary uh, in since we don't, why isn't this just a Democrat and Republican uh, referendum on to pick their own candidates? Um, the other point is, let's just stop registering. Let's just register to vote and not register for a party. Okay. Then we don't look at parties in dividing up the state, and we just stop doing this nonsense. All right. Thank you very much for your call. Let's talk about the open primary part to begin with, because his point is that if we had an open primary, you have Democrats, Republicans can choose their own candidates. Then rather than the parties deciding, then he said, why don't you just have the, the parties decide on their nominees rather than voters going for a primary open primary? Michael, what do you think about that? I think if we can fix the process of drawing a map, then we can have a conversation about having a conversation about an open primary. This is Pennsylvania, you know. I know. Okay. I was going to say. I'm, I'm being honest. Sometimes they want to they give you the car, but don't want to sell you the engine. <laughs> All right. We only have a couple <laughs> minutes left, and we have a, a couple other uh, uh, comments as well. Any third grader looking at the previous map could tell that they were bad. It's just that simple. If you look at the new map, he thinks that Republicans still have a slight advantage. Also, the current legislature could have done something to fix this earlier in the decade, but awaited, inst- awaited instead... And and forced the court's hand, uh, said, and another one says, the original map was so improper that it offended the consciousness, uh, the consciousness of since Bush versus Gore, the courts have been willing to interfere. The legislature never tried to fix this when they had the opportunity. We have about uh, a, a minute left. So, Katie, what happens next? Katie and Emily, in, in the minute we have left, what happens next? We wait to see what the U.S. Supreme Court does. That really is kind of all we can do at this point. Timeline? Um, is there a timeline for that? No. The U.S. Supreme Court, I think. I think they just, yeah. I, no. No. <laughs> there's not. There's not. <laughs> and, uh, what were you going to say? But yeah. in the meantime, you have congressional candidates that are going to just take whatever is in place now because they have to start circulating petitions um, you know, in less than a week. And some of them had months of campaign work uh, done in districts that now in large part are no longer part of where they're running. And they've just got so much work to do. You're going to see a lot of scrambling. We actually just got an email that Madeline Dean's running for Congress in the fourth congressional district. She was previously running for lieutenant governor. So now that puts Madeline Dean running in the fourth. That puts Mary Jo Daly running in the fourth. Yeah. Where, where's the fourth? Just because Montgomery County. Sorry, Montgomery County. Sorry. Hey, I want to thank the three of you for being with us today. Capitol uh, Bureau Chief Katie Meyer. Uh, also so uh, with this was Emily Previty, Keystone Crossroads reporter, and Micah Sims, Executive Director of Common Cross Pennsylvania. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks, guys. Thanks.